sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show. The show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Hegg. With me, as always, a Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going? Hey, going well. So, uh, so we're testing out the new the new chat room. And uh, if you are listening and you're trying to get into our old chat room, you can probably get into it. But uh, it was set to be deleted today, not by us, but by the company who provides that service. You know, Rob and I decided $20 a month for a chat room was just a lot. So we uh, we switched over, and there's actually kind of a dual discussion going on right now. There's one discussion on the post that I made that says the chat room's open. Um, and then there's another one uh, in, like, a private message area that I think everyone can see. So we're trying to figure out exactly how this is going to work. It's a test. It's a test to see what's going on. Um, so anyway, yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. So now, Rob, I will start by saying, how you doing? How's it going, Rob? <laughs> it's going well. I'm excited about, well, we're in our week three, entering into week four, I guess, of our uh, uh, first quarter of the year. Is it really all, almost the fourth week of the school oh, year? Gracious. Yes, it's the beginning of the year, Caleb. It's yes, the beginning of the school year. Of course. Uh, we, for fall quarter, we, we are on a three-quarter type of cycle. So fall is our first quarter, winter, second quarter, and then spring is our third quarter. And so we're kicking off with a strong start. And it's great. I'm, I'm excited. It's such a joy to our online language classes to sit and talk with each other and hear questions and hear people having little aha moments, things Dude, like that. I don't know what's going on with your connection, but you are, you are just a mess today. Hmm. That's okay. Uh, before we came on though, I, I was talking with Rob and uh, Rob said, well, actually, why don't you, you, you just tell me what you said. You, you were talking about how you don't want the Rob and Caleb show to only be answering the same people all the time, right? Well, it seems to me that, you know, what someone sent us a link, I think, for something that one of these ministries we've interacted with in the past. And I, it particularly for me, was a very frustrating interaction because I was asking a basic question um, and was put off uh, over and over and over again, not getting a straight answer, which to me was like, I, I don't understand. Uh, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and so... To, to then, you know, a year later or so, have them uh, come back on our radar and someone asking for a response is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of have mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I'm happy to, to 
to give my opinion on something. Sure. But on but on but on this on the other hand, um, I guess I I'm feeling frustrated. Uh, that, but it's the world we live in. You know, there's there's teachers out there that are. Um, I wonder who their teachers are. You know, that's just a question I have. Is where do all these? They almost seem like rogue uh, teachers that kind of do research and they they have skill maybe in putting uh, videos and sound. You know, they have like they have uh, film production uh, tools and they they're pretty good at it. Sure. Uh, and so they, but then they kind of put out this material that. I, in my view, teaches people to think uh, in wrong ways, in ways that aren't helpful. Oh yeah, I know exactly. So, I, I know. I know what I, you're talking. I know. I, I know what you're talking in a, about, and I know who you're talking about. It's kind of a mixed, mixed feeling. So the anyway, question, so, the, but the question I would have is, uh, then okay, so let's say that we aren't going to respond all the time to various uh, people and things within the Messianic Hebrew roots movement. Then, what would you uh, suggest we do instead? Well, my hope is that we, we do, we, that our efforts are always under the larger banner of seeking to, to bring, yeah, to bring truth to, to the body of Messiah, to the world, for any, even unbelievers who might check, check in and, and watch one of our, our back and forths. Um, I think it's important that we do bring a little bit of humor and, uh, you know, being able to laugh at ourselves and just say, look at the world, you know, because it, it can be very stressful. There's a lot of craziness. And so I think it's okay to laugh a little bit. Um, but, but back to our main point of we, we want to direct people to Yeshua. Sure. And um, I think that people, uh, you know, I don't know. Okay. I'm rambling already. That's Okay. <clears throat> okay, well, we are going to answer some things today. <laughs> We're going to respond <laughs> to some people today. Uh, no, I think it's a good idea to try to exegete uh, various passages, scriptures, and uh, I mean, we do that. We do that. We have teachings all you know on Tor Resource Radio. Of course, we have. We do Mishlei. We have all sorts of teachings. So uh, the Robin Caleb Show is not the. You know, we don't represent the entirety of what we do at Tor Resource. Obviously, we're we're one little. Uh, you know, snippet, snippet of of what goes on. Well, not only that, but it's a so, place. Where, it's a place where we can kind of have fun. Yeah, exactly. But looking at the looking at the uh, looking at the broader scope of what Torah Resource and Torah Resource Institute does, uh, the the amount of material that we are putting out each week, which I'm in, you know, I'm in charge of helping getting a lot of that material out. It's mind boggling the amount of uh, the amount of material that we have, and so. Uh, the Rob and Caleb show is just ver one very, very, very small sliver of the pie in terms of all the material that we're putting out each week, let alone, uh, let alone, you know, in a month or in a year. So um, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, we want to be careful. You know, there's obviously a lot of times where we're trying to touch on, uh, on, on touchy subjects, speak on touchy subjects, I should say. And uh, so that that can get daunting. And but man, some of the stuff that we see now, uh, you know, we're getting contacted every every week by more and more and more people. And uh, the amount of crazy, the crazy meter is just going up and up all the time. It's uh, so yeah. 
anyway, I, I, and the chat room is is uh, someone in the chat room is saying that uh, they certainly enjoy a lot of what we are doing. It looks like we have two different chats going on. So, um, uh, and that's okay. But uh, for those in the chat room, I think the majority of the chat now is going on under the. Uh, the post the uh, from me that says the chat room is open. So make sure you're posting under that one so everybody can see. Okay. Um, so we should say not only is the new chat room on Facebook uh, being being tested today, but we got to give mad props to, to Michael Gonzalez for putting um, for putting up. Uh, give me just a second for putting up the new Robin Caleb show page. And, and have you seen this yet? Yeah, I think it looks cool. I like the lettering that he uses and everything. Good job. My my favorite my favorite banner here is the one that says "Join the movement, the few, the proud, the 36, 36 listeners and growing." Kinda. <laughs> nice, very good. Uh, that reminds me to the Clarks. Uh, I I uh, saw your email again today. I will send out your uh, bumper stickers sometime this week. Okay. Um, anyway. So, uh, as we work out the quirks for the chat room and whatnot, bear with us. Thank you, everyone. Let's see here. I got a lot of different stuff to talk about because yesterday I didn't know what in the world we were going to talk about. And then I started poking my head around and, boy, there's just a slew of stuff. I found this one very interesting. Maybe you can comment on this for me, Rob. So, I I've found this post by a guy named, a guy named Joshua. He says, try to watch this without wanting to bash your head against the wall. <laughs> In this video, Rob Skiba is arguing that we are living on a flat Earth inside a snow globe, that space doesn't exist, and that stars are really celestial, sensual, angelic beings. Um, yeah. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. So. Uh, um, yeah, well, I mean, so so anyway, in this in this Facebook uh, post then, he, he gets completely berated by people uh, for saying that uh, that basically people are saying you're not being nice. We need to come at people in a respectable, um, nice way. And uh, so what do you think? I mean, Rob Skiba is, is literally putting forth that the, he is like the leader in the Messianic movement, at least, of the flat earth theory, at least at this point. And he's got a huge voice. Check this out. I looked on his Facebook page the other day. He is being followed. This is not friends. He's being followed by 16,465 people. Wow. Well, some of those people might, it's not that they agree with him. They just maybe want to be entertained. I don't know. I mean, but still, I mean, look, the, the, here's the thing for me is I, you know, maybe we shouldn't try to make fun of people or whatnot, but really, I mean, you're kind of asking for it when you, when you say that you believe in the flat earth, right? Isn't that just an opening for, for people to make fun of you. Maybe not. I, maybe, maybe not. He obviously really believes it. Uh, Rob Skiba went to his uh, Facebook page. This is what, this is the last post that I saw from him. He posted this yesterday. He says, laugh out loud. This is some pure greatness right here at one minute in, he's has posted a video from the space station. He says at one minute in, they say the astronauts are traveling at 17,500 miles per hour. This is, of course, allegedly happening over the Earth that's supposed to be spinning 1,000 miles per hour. Oops. 
the CG artist must have forgotten to add that motion to the earth so that it fits with all the other fraudulent images allegedly coming from the uh, ISS, the International Space Station. Hate it when yeah, that I happens. Think, no, I think you should just, people should just stop listening to this guy. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know who follows them. I don't follow him. I mean, so I don't do any of our listeners follow this guy. I don't know. Skiba? Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But I guess my question is not about Skiba himself. Because honestly, to me it's a giant distraction. Well, that's the point. He's taking the focus off of the Messiah Yeshua. He's taking the, the focus off of, off of uh, what really matters, which is the word of God. And, uh, and he's putting it on to things that are absolutely nonsense. So uh, that's my question. Um, you know, when, when, when we discuss these things, it's hard for me not to say that someone who believes in the flat earth is, uh, has, uh, has a screw loose. So I guess my question is, is when someone comes at it like this is just ridiculous, you know, uh, that these people believe this, and then people are getting upset that uh, we're not treating brothers and sisters the correct way. And here's the ultimate question. This, this maybe will rouse up the, uh, the discussion in the chat room. Here's the ultimate question that I have for everyone. Can Satan use a believer a true believer to accomplish his will and confuse and lead others astray. Because I think that's what's going on with Skiba. It is a confusion. It is a, it is a tactic to get our minds off of the things that truly, truly matter, which is the word of God. Yeah. So if this isn't a, if this isn't a direct, uh, I, I don't see how we can see it any other way. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that. Don't, now, please, I know what I'm gonna. I'm I'm gonna hear the the emails already coming in. I'm not saying that Skiba is demon possessed, but it, is he being used as a tool of distraction and confusion for believers to take our minds off of uh, to take our minds off of of the you know the truth. And so that 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 brings us to the to the real question: Can the can uh, the evil one influence people to lead the the true flock of the Messiah Yeshua astray? Thoughts? Well, I just have a couple scriptures that come to mind. Okay, go for it. Like Second Timothy two. Um. He said, the, Lord, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. This is a, this is a high standard. And I know that I've fallen, I've, I haven't made this standard. Um, and I think even with some of the stuff we've encountered on the Rob and Caleb show over the last three years has really, like, like really upset me. But I, but it was, you know, literally caught off guard. I didn't even know that some of this nonsense was still going on. Um, and so I take Second Timothy two, twenty four and twenty five really seriously. Um, it says, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses, and escape from the snare of the devil, 
having been held captive by him to do his will. Um, and so I, I see this as a, just like with scripture, is you know, as a double-edged sword. Um, I read these three passages, these three verses here, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, and I say, oh, wow, okay, uh, I'm in a position in the body of Messiah as a teacher. Do I show patience all the time? Do I show gentleness when correcting those in opposition? No, I, I, I fall short of that. I aim to do that, and, and by Messiah's grace, he'll bear with me and, and teach me to, to be able to do that. Um, and so uh, I'm not above uh, that kind of uh, discipline in, in that arena. Um, but it's definitely clear, verse 26 doesn't go away, you know, that they need to come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Um, and I think that that's uh, the important passage for us to to apply here. Another is this First uh, Peter five, where he says, "Be of, of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking yeah. someone to devour." Right. Um. So. And elsewhere, Paul, I think in Second Corinthians, talks about um, we know his uh, devices. We know the, the devil's devices. So we need to be aware that, you know what? The devil is out there trying to distract people from the truth. There so are, he, he does have schemes, and we need to stand firm. But, but here's the thing. We need to... Uh, my interaction with, with the, some of these teachers that we've talked about is... Um, I'm led to the conclusion that they are, they do not want to be taught. Oh, and they, they, and they want to be, on it. Yeah. They want to be teachers. They want to teach others and other people want to look to them as teachers, but they themselves have, uh, basically spurned learning. And so we get all these, we get everything from, uh, Hebrew word pictures to gematria to, Yeshua is Metatron to um, what are some of the other things? Lunar Sabbath to uh, all these kinds of things that um, to me are people get a little bit of information and then they start connecting dots like crazy according to their imagination. And then that's what they talk about. And then they get other people riled up and for false things, the Shemitah year, you know, all these mystery books coming out, you know. So, so, so let me jump in here. One of the things you, you hit on it a little bit, they, they're, they're not willing to be educated. And the, and the fact is, is that one of the, one of the problems I see with a lot of these guys now, look, Skiba, you know, I'm, I'm not doubting. I personally am not going to doubt Skiba's uh, legitimate faith in relationship with the Lord. I think that he's a distraction. And I think that that might be uh, he might be uh, you know uh, being distracted himself by uh, things that are not of God. Um, but the same goes with all of his you know all these people. They, the, a lot of these Hebrew roots guys they do these conferences together. So you have people like Zach Bauer. You have people like. Uh, like Paul Neeson and, and, and these, you know, other people like this who, who do these conferences together and they stare, they share a stage with, with Skiba. And, and, uh, we've talked before about whether or not that is an endorsement 
you know, are they therefore just guilt by association endorsing Skiba, even though they might say, well, we disagree with him. If you're going to put your name on a ballot with, uh, you know, on on a on a pamphlet with somebody else, is that uh, endorsing them? So uh, and so what you said, happy, you know, uh, a new year, new school year. Uh, this goes back all these guys. The one big problem that I see with all these guys uh, is that although they, they got these fervent hearts to truly serve the Lord, even though, you know, it seems like they're 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 really trying to walk out their their faith, um, you know, the best the best way that they know how. One of the problems is, is that it seems like none of them have any formal training in, in anything, uh, in any of the biblical but the, languages. But that's, okay, this is the thing, though. Because formal training is seen as the man just prop- pr- promoting his own propaganda. I, I saw one <laughs> time, I, I saw a Messianic Jewish teacher talk about uh, seminaries as cemeteries. He made, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he got a degree from a cemetery. I mean, a cemetery, and it was on purpose. Everybody laughs. Well, what, it, what, I think that's damaging. Oh, yeah. Now, does it mean, not, a, of course, there's not, every institution is going to have its own uh, challenges. It's going to have its own bias. And, you know, there's going to be seminaries that are going to be, you know, the tour has been done away, and here's why. And, and, um, but I would say that any any uh, seminary that has that is teaching the basic languages of the Bible, for instance, is at least doing that good in the world. We need because that's what we need. Now, what we've seen I, I, apparently uh, over the last couple decades, biblical languages has gone kind of by the wayside, wayside almost yeah. in yeah. some of the seminaries, and instead you have more. The spirituality studies and things like this that become part of requirements. Now, we, than- we we touched on this last uh, last year, but we'll touch on it again really quick because you brought up the uh, the new school year, and so this uh, from Paul Neeson last year, and uh, of course this is you know all these guys. Uh, I don't know why it's a lot of these guys in ministry, you know the the huge problem and the big problem that we're seeing. This is one reason that I'm so thankful for people like you, Rob, for my dad and for uh, other teachers at Torah Resource Institute. And then for some of the students, you know, Andre, uh, he, he gave a uh, paper at uh, the camp. We talked about that. And, uh, and then uh, Josh Meeks and these other guys, you know, they're, they're really doing, uh, they're doing great work. Glenn Minnis, a lot of these guys are doing really good work and really, really uh, getting a handle on the biblical languages and whatnot so that we actually do have good leaders uh, at least somewhere out there, you know, we have good leaders who can who can uh, handle languages. This is from Paul Neese, and I believe this is a year ago. He might have posted it two years ago. We'll touch on this real quick because I'm sure we'll get emails about this coming up. Uh, by the way, happy Rosh Hashanah. That's right, I said it, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. Um, and uh, happy Yom Teruah to those who are so offended by the term Rosh Hashanah. Let's listen to what Mr. Neeson has to say about Rosh Hashanah. I wanted to make this video and talk a little about a special holy day in the Bible called Yom Teruah, and that is upon us right now. Now, many people use this traditional day of Rosh Hashanah and completely mix it up and get it wrong. This uh, Rosh Hashanah day is really not the new year, and on any calendar you find, even the biblical calendar, there's no such thing as a new year during the middle of the year. That just doesn't make sense. The Bible says the year starts during the spring feast, not the fall feast. 
And so where did we get this true day, this holy day of Yom Teruah, which were appointed and, and, and commanded to keep according to the scriptures, and that's for every believer in the scriptures are commanded to keep that. Whether you call yourself Jewish or Christian or a follower of Yeshua or whatever, you're commanded to keep the feast days. It's uh, it's not my opinion. It just comes. It, it just... Okay, so I'll stop it there. We've we've heard it before. And to be honest with you, uh, Paul uh, does have a couple of uh, good points here. First of all, it seems as though he upholds uh, two house theology. Uh, I say that even though um, even though I I have a feeling that he leans two house. Um, but not the point. You mean a one? You mean one Torah? The, no, I'm, yeah, one. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. What did I say? You said he upholds two house theology. Well, I'm not sure. Okay. I think that he actually leans two house, but uh, in in this clip, for sure, he's upholding what we would consider one one law theology, which is that everyone needs to be keeping the feast. And uh, also, I'll give credit where credit is due. Mr. Neeson is correct that uh, the term Rosh Hashanah is not found in conjunction with the holiday of Yom Teruah within the the Torah. So uh, he's he's right on these points. However. I think he is wrong in the idea, and we've talked about this, so this will not become a short, shorter clip. You can already find some, you know, us talking about this. But uh, basically, uh, Rob said it right. You know, we have a new school year. So even within our, our uh, Gregorian calendar, we have a new year, which is on December 31st into the 1st, you know, uh, New Year's Eve into New Year's. Uh, and then we also have various... Uh, uh, new Year's in other realms as well. So, for instance, we have uh, a school New Year, right? Uh, it's the New Year of school. Well, the exact same thing is going on with Rosh Hashanah. When do you start counting the sabbatical years and the jubilees and whatnot? You don't start from the first of the year. You don't start, uh, you know, the the month of uh, that uh, the Passover's in, even though that's the first month, right? That's when we actually start. But you start counting these uh, these years, the sabbatical years and the jubilee years and whatnot. Those go according to Rosh Hashanah. That is the the that's the festival that you count these things at. And this this is exactly what the Torah tells us uh, to do. Any more comments? Do we need to beat this with a with a stick? Go for it, Rob. Um, oh, just no. I was glad to hear that he was saying, uh, at least in like you just pointed out. He said, you know, he's challenging people who are going to say call themselves Christians. To say, look, this isn't my opinion. The feast days, you know, are are the commandments, and and I thought that was good. I I don't know who I don't watch this guy, so I don't know about his theology, but um, the, the idea that um, uh, Rosh Hashanah, um, as I mean, it's not like it's it's a how do I want to say it. You're still going to see Jews blowing trumpets, blowing shofars. Yeah, of course. Right. In other words, it's not like it's like if we took the name aside for a second. Is the is the sense that that Jews who call it Rosh Hashanah are observing like a different holiday, or like they are, like it's like its purpose is something different now than the Torah commands? I, I'm trying to understand what's behind his beat. Um. I think people are upset. There, there's a, there. I've felt this from other people. It's not a new year, is what they say. This is not the Jewish New Year. But it certainly was cause for celebration when when all of the debts were released. You sh certainly were looking forward to that New Year, right? And yeah. yes, the chat room says uh, Paul Neeson is it Neeson? I think it's Neeson. Is big on Torah observance. 
He is to be commended for being super consistent on this. I agree completely. I, I completely agree. I'm not putting him down for that. I'm just saying that. And the point is this, is that, that, that we see that in, like, what was it, Leviticus 25, you know, where the Jubilee and the Shemitah year uh, are proclaimed in the seventh month. Uh, yeah. And that's that's and so it just turns out that later rabbis use the term Rosh Hashanah, not because it's only figures for Rosh, Rosh Hashanahs. Yeah, four of them in the year. And they're acknowledged. They're just saying that there's four different cycles that begin. Have there's kind of these four different beginnings that happen in the year. And the first one, of course, is is Nisan, is the the the, the month where we count month one. Uh, I don't know of any Jews that call Rosh Hashanah in Tishri that we have to start counting the months there. Uh, so I think it's a misunderstanding of terminology. Uh, and you you are breaking people. up so you're breaking up so so fierce right now. It's hard to understand you. Huh. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, Is it, that better now? Yeah, it's it, we we got to give it a few seconds. All right, keep going. Um, yeah, sorry. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm hardwired in here. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand the beef. I think it's a misunderstanding of this idea of Rosh Hashanah. Um, because it's, it, it seems like that their idea is, oh, well, it's not in the Torah. There's no word Rosh Hashanah in the Torah. Therefore, we shouldn't be using that word. Um, and it might that people might actually think they need to start counting months from the fall to be the first months. You know, I I don't know. I I don't. I guess I I don't see a big deal. I just got an email from uh, our friend Derek. He says I'm not on Facebook, so I wanted to email you a question. And this is actually goes in with what we're talking about now. I'm not saying, please, uh, please, people, don't hear me say that that uh, you know we can't glean anything good from uh, people like uh, Zach Bauer and from uh, Paul Neeson and and uh, some of these guys. Uh, you know, th they have true hearts for the Lord. Um, but what what I am saying is is that in a lot of their studies, uh, it kind of comes out that uh, that they it it can be seen quite clearly that they don't have a formal training in the in the languages or anything else. <clears throat> hey, look, I'm I struggle with uh, with the uh, with the languages as well. So I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying is you know if you're going to put yourself out as a teacher, at least try. <clears throat> Pardon me. Okay, so this person says, and technically, real quick, uh, can I? I just had one more thought on the Rosh Hashanah. Exodus yes. Exodus twelve says this will be the the Rosh Chodeshim, the head of months for you. When it's talking about Nisan, the first month, this will be the head of months. It doesn't say this is going to be the head Rosh Hashanah. It says head of months. And then it says later, it says Rishon Chodeshe Hashanah, the first of the months of the year. Mm -hmm. So even, even the month wherein we find Passover, it's not called Rosh Hashanah. So, this, so Rosh Hashanah, I, I don't have an issue calling, that, calling the seventh month, beginning of the seventh month Rosh Hashanah because I understand that it, I understand what it's talking about. Good, good. That's all. So Derek says, I appreciate very much your discussions about the things uh, we find in the Hebrew roots slash Messianic world that range from dubious at best all the way to completely nuts. 
What I'd love to hear also are some discussions about teachers, books, materials that you endorse besides TR materials. I'm always happy to find new sources of material. Keep up the good work. Look, here's the here's the thing. That's good. I like that. Thanks, that's Derek. A, it's a great question. Here's the thing. I'm not going to just say, oh, I endorse this teacher. I endorse this teacher because that's obviously not something that I'm going to do. I disagree with people on various issues. Uh, there's not going to be a teacher that I find that I'm like, I agree 100% with this person. Um, however, one of the things that we, and this is why this is why education is so important, is because one of the things that you learn to do in a school setting or when you're uh, challenged to have to write papers and things like this is you have to go investigate various different people, various different theories. And from a from a educated perspective, you have to be able to uh, try to pick out the the truth and see what is fact and what is is uh, speculation. And so in my mind, it's, you know, one of the things that I do, I, you know, I, there are certain commentaries I always look at. I like Kyle and Dalich. I always look at Kyle and Dalich, even though I don't obviously don't agree with them on everything. Uh, you know, I always look at some of the people I disagree with a lot, like N.T. Wright or James, uh, 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 E.P. Sanders, um, and Jimmy Dunn. You know, those guys are kind of in a camp of I disagree with these guys, but they've brought forth some historical data that I uh, that I I find to be very necessary. And then especially depending on what field you're looking in, you know, if we're looking at something like archaeology, then there are uh, great archaeologists that need to be looked at. Um, here's here's a good point on this, Caleb, if I may. Uh, and this is just my, from my own biography. When I first kind of got it enthusiastic about studying the Bible, it was listening to Chuck Missler. And, uh, and he would promote this Hal Lindsey guy. So I'd listen to a little bit of Hal Lindsey. <laughs> this is like in the mid-90s, right? And when I finally, that trajectory of growth over the next four to five years to about 99, and 2000 when I started actually studying Hebrew formally was, was a growth of like exciting revelation teachings, like mysteries revealed. Um, here's the truth that you was, uh, you were, that was kept from you. You've been lied to. Here's the true revelation. This is where we are in chronology, prophetic chronology. This is what this obscure Bible verse means. All this kind of stuff. Uh, Bible codes, uh, all sorts of stuff that uh, that I was that I, I was that's just I thought wow this is like and it was like every you know a, a teaching wasn't even worth listening to unless it like rocked you unless it just like pulled the rug out from everything you ever thought right and I realized you know that and this is by God's grace it's like I can't there's nowhere to stand here there's nowhere for me to stand because. Once I, I start standing on something and some other prophetically inspired teacher comes along and says, that's wrong. <laughs> this is actually, and it's like, I realized that this is what the Bible, that God showed me what winds of doctrine was. Uh, the, our, 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 our UK boots on the ground uh, say it best in the chat room. Both of them, uh, the married, the married UK boots on the ground tell us that uh, it, it, it's not about what teacher to listen to. They're right. It's no, about right. it's about discernment. You exactly. Need, you have to be able to learn. So here's how one of the discern. things is that it, and I'm, let me bring this where I'm going with this is once I started was exposed to like the academic intensity, the rigorous approach to Bible languages and history. I looked back on these uh, these 
I don't know, a dozen or more teachers that I had followed on the internet or in person. And I realized how narrowly read they were. Yeah. Like they were, they, they were aware of like not even 1% of like the full field of information that there was on a topic. But yet they were coming across as if they're speaking authoritatively for the whole. And because of their the charisma or the charismatic or whatever, or my just desire to like, okay, Lord, I want to learn. And these are the people that are here. And it seems like they're teaching me about Hebrew. And that's, you know, here's someone with a, I thought, you know, sincere heart, wanting to learn, being a student, putting these people as my teachers without ever thinking, well, who taught them? You know, I did, that didn't occur to me to say, well, where did these guys learn? Um, and now I look back and I go, oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, that's it's so dangerous. You know, you've got people out there that they're they're not even exposed to the bigger field of ideas. And I think that like when you talk about people like Dunn or Wright or Sanders, you know, the people that you have learned from uh, their work because they they've spent years studying this. They uh, they've done the language work. They've done historical. And so they're going to bring up their interpretations of specific historical uh, uh, pieces of, of evidence. Actually, and, you can, and you can then, so you go, oh, you know, I never knew that text existed. But I disagree with the way he's interpreting it. So That's just a way, but hang on, you're, you're touching on something here, because the point is, is you, you're asking who are their teachers. And the thing is, that I, you know, a perfect example for me is Daryl Bach, Dr. Daryl Bach. I've interviewed Dr. Bach before. Um, you know, I, I disagree with him a lot. On what on his interpretation, you know, and during our interview, he told me that uh, that Mark seven was talking about uh, food, and uh, he was, and he t he said that Peter's dream was touching on food, and uh, you know, all these kind of things. So I totally disagree with his interpretation. However, Doctor Bach has done his hard work. Uh, he has he has gotten his his doctor doctoral. He did his doctoral thesis, I think, in Luke. Anyway, the point is, is that the guy's done his work now. I can look at him, I can look at his teachers, I can look at, you know, where he's come from in the study that he's done, and I can say, of course he's going to take this view. Yeah, he represents a larger school of thought, and I can see the history of that school of thought. But he's still a good scholar, even though I totally oh, yeah, disagree absolutely. with him. Absolutely. And, and, and so being able but to... These, the, these other people we're interacting with are not of, they're of a different breed. Well, they have no training. They, they say it because it sounds good. Out, and they're making sometimes these outrageous... They make Plain. it up. Yeah, they make it up. Okay. Let, uh, you know what? So speaking of... So, yes, I think, I, think, I think that people, the devil will use people like that. And I think the Lord yeah. can, can use people like that to sift the grain, you know, away from the chaff. Say, look, I'm going to separate the grain. I'm gonna, and, like, I, I just look at my own experience and say, you know what, Lord, by God's grace, I want to be a grain. I want to be something that's fruitful that has seed that ha can uh, produce more rather than a piece of chaff that is good for nothing but to be burned up. And if I had to spend those years uh, in those situations so that he could refine my character and teach me wisdom and what it means to learn and to have teachers and to, to uh, be disciplined and to learn from other people, you know, I think he used it for positive for me, but I, I think there could be still people that 20 years later are still the big world's biggest Chuck Missler fans and he can do no wrong.
and they still have not learned a Bible language, you know, even though 20 years have gone by. Okay, I got so, I I got something outrageous for you, uh, and when I say outrageous, I mean, listen, this is so good, man. I, I I'm so excited for this. Now take a listen. And by the way, I have a new I have a new sound clip for you. I never know what you're gonna do. I here. have a new sound clip for you. I got three clips here. They total like two minutes and thirty seconds. Hey, Caleb, real quick before you play that, yeah. is my audio better now? Yes. Okay, yes, I turned is. off. I just closed my Facebook down because I realized it was. That's what was. Yeah, no. Yeah, ever since I told you to take a pause, it's been better. That's when I shut it off. Oh, okay. Well, here you go. Um, here, here's a here's a new one for you. And 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 I think you're really gonna like this, Rob. I want you to picture this. You're in a desert. By the way, this is my good friend Sid Roth. I love Sid Roth. Man, this guy. Listening to him talk. And you're walking. You're walking. walking. You're walking. You're walking. You're walking. And you're so (laughs) thirsty. You're thirsty. But you're not as thirsty for water as you are for mysteries, for answers to your questions. We're thirsty for mysteries. And then you find a rabbi, a teacher. A rabbi. And this teacher not only answers all the mystery questions you have. Oh, but tells you things you've never even pondered of the invisible world. World. I have (laughs) such a rabbi here, (laughs) such a teacher here. Anyone interested in having your mysteries answered? No, wait, hang on just a sec. Before we go on, listen to how listen to how they they extend they extend the clapping. Here you go. Keep going, people. Keep clapping. Keep, 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 keep going. <laughs> All right. Now, hang on just a sec. He's not done with his introduction. Let's keep listening. Now, my guest seems like such an unassuming, nice, quiet guy, but he's causing an international stir. It's an international his name, stir. Rabbi Jonathan oh. Khan. Are you familiar with all, all the talk that's been been going on uh, about the blood moons and and, and the uh, tetrarchs and, and the Shemitah? Which he was wrong on all of them. Are you aware of, of, of all of the all of the nonsense that's been going on? Now listen to this. This is the last one I got on this, and then I'll tell you what new clip I got for you that goes into our sound bank. Um, and it was and and uh, Michael Gonzalez uh, told me that I should uh, that I should I should make this uh, this new sound clip uh, for when we debunk a, a a fraudulent teaching. Here you go. Um, now listen to what Sid Roth says about Jonathan Kahn's new book. The Book of Mysteries. I want you to set the scene for the mystery. Yes. The desert, the yes. teacher. Explain. The mysteries, which we're going to get into. Yeah. The mysteries, yeah. It begins with a, a, a man traveling in the desert. He meets a man called the teacher. And the teacher takes him on a one-year odyssey around mountaintops, caves, secret chambers, you know, um, all sort of d- desert dwellers. And every day he opens a mystery, uh, some of the greatest mysteries of God. He opens up the, a mystery for every day. So, so it's an odyssey. And yet the one who sees this is really taken on that odyssey and 
And every day, there are, you know, if the harbinger was a mystery, the, the mystery, this is hundreds of mysteries. And really, the, really, I would say, the, really, the, the, the greatest mysteries of the ages of God, you know, of prophecy, of, of, but, of But you heaven. know what I like about these mysteries? Oh, tell We're us. coming into such tough times That's it. That's in it. the world. What if these mysteries could unlock peace mm. in you, could unlock joy oh. in you, could unlock purpose and destiny in you? Right. You okay, so I, I thought okay, the, that I thought, is just spooky. Man. I thought the, I thought the Bible. Can we just like take a moment and just say, Lord, by your Ruach HaKodesh, guard us from all falsehood and yeah. evil and false teachers and those who are deceived and are telling a lie and propagating false excitement, false promises. In Yeshua's name, protect us from such things. Give us discernment. Listen to what Khan says at the back. Oh, my. Wait a second. Can you wait? <laughs> I'm serious, man. That is just... that. I, Adam that Smith. Is, Adam Smith says, "Shut up and take my money." <laughs> that is just spooky. <laughs> okay, but but listen to what Khan said. So you know, I, I said unlock destiny, but purpose Un in your it? life. I, it, it, unlock the purpose in your life. I thought that's what the Bible did for us. So so okay, uh, listen to this. Sounds like Joel Osteen. Yeah. So listen to this. Listen to the very end. It kind of gets muddled over by Sid Roth, but Khan says exactly at the end of it. Listen, destiny in you. That's you, uh, oh, that's it. He says, that's it. So he says, unlock the purpose in you. And then there's a little pause. Then Khan says, that's it. Purpose and destiny in you. That's you, it. Uh, you that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan Khan, for opening up the purpose and destiny in our lives. The mysteries. Gosh. Okay. So um, because now keep in mind, I was looking at these graphics that, uh, that Michael Gonzalez has made for us on this new page. And the one that I, that, you know, uh, he made one that says tipping sacred cows every Wednesday. And then that's, that's one of our, uh, that's one of our bumper stickers, which was inspired by Adam Smith, who is in the chat room right now. Um, so thank you for that. But Michael said to me yesterday, you should make a sound clip. And every time that uh, you, you know, you call out one of these false teachings, you should have some kind of a tipping cow uh, sound effect. So here you go, Rob. I, ma I made this so that anytime we tip a, a sacred cow, we can play this. Uh, did you hear at the end the poof? <laughs> like we just tipped a cow over. <laughs> uh, too much fun. Okay, uh, let's move on. Um, what else do I got? Oh, uh, we really haven't even gotten into anything uh, that I, I. I just I, that I'm just creeped out. I that is like uh, I I I just don't understand it. I got I got contacted by somebody. Somebody sent me a friend request. I, it might be Christopher. I don't know. Probably is. Anyway, um, so I, I'm pretty sure it is too. But this guy, yeah. If it's not, then it's even more sad. He's got a picture of Schneerson. It says, "We want Mashiach now." <laughs> I'm not even going to say the name of the Facebook page because it's just so. 
Anyway, it has Yeshua in the title. And the only article that he has posted is Hastening the Coming of Mashiach by Kabod.org. I had to go off on that. Um, okay, let's go to, well, let's just let's just go straight to uh, 119 Ministries. Uh, I think that's fair. Um, you know, 119 Ministries, John over at 119, he's got a great heart, I think, you know, uh, but boy, is, is he really... Uh, so I really wish he would take a class in hermeneutics and, uh, and yeah, how to, how to study the Bible. Uh, because man, you know, and here's the thing is that there are people in our congregation, you know, that, uh, that really like the stuff that 119 puts out. And boy, I, I mean, I, I watched a lot of 119 yesterday and man, uh, it, it made me sad. It really made me sad. And, uh, so we got contact. We, uh, you know, one nineteen did this uh, this teaching on the Star of David, um, and you know, I I feel like uh, John now every time he makes a video, they do this. Every video they make, they they do this one thing. They say, we're, "This is not a teaching. We're just studying," and anything that we say, uh, you know, it, it's subject to change at any time. Um and, um. So basically, it's like their their out card. Like, it, did they say we could we could change our opinion anytime? Yeah. Oh, wow. The, so that's like, well, but what it is is like we're gonna go on the internet. We're gonna get a bunch of information. We're gonna give it to you, and we're gonna say, I I don't know what's what's are they teaching? Are they? I I don't know what their goal is. What's their ministry goal? I don't know. Oh, I think their ministry goal is to is to uh, bring people to the you know to the truth of the Torah and, and the truth of the Messiah. I and he says that. But you know, look, if you're going to be a teacher out there, you can't just say, "Oh, well, uh, you know, uh, you need to go check this all." I mean, yeah, obviously, check everything out for yourself. Don't take anything of what any teacher is going to say. But I feel like that's their way out. They try to, you know, one nineteen is basically giving themselves a way to say, "Hey, we told you that we weren't teaching this. So this is just a study. You know, we uh, we told you that this might not be true. So yeah, there you go. That, I, that what do you? You can't do that." You put, you know, you have thirty thousand uh, YouTube subscribers. People are listening to what you say. That's all there is to it. Uh, so they did this teaching on the Star of David. This was just. Now, did you watch the whole thing, Rob? Like I told I, you to. I watched some of it. <laughs> oh, did you get? To I the, was having. What's yeah. that? No, no. Go ahead. I just. I. I have a limit on how long I can sit and. I. I it just didn't connect for me, I guess. Oh, <laughs> the, the what, what I took away is this. Uh, 119 says uh, our position is don't use the Star of David, but you make up your own decision. And here's, here's what we would like you to consider. And in the consideration, they, he quotes Acts 7, which yep. is a, uh, where Stephen quotes the Septuagint of... of Verse from the book of Amos. Yep. And then he goes on to uh, suggest that the sign is, uh, well, he keeps saying, well, we can't prove it. Oh, let's listen, listen, listen to a couple of, uh, couple of clips here. 
The hexagram is also a prominent symbol in the occult and ceremonial magic. This six-pointed star is commonly used both as a talisman and for conjuring spirits and spiritual forces in numerous forms of occult magic. I'm not going to disagree with him on that. In the book, The History and Practice of Magic, Volume 2, this six-pointed star is called the Talisman of Saturn and is also referred to as the Seal of Solomon. Okay, hang on just a second. Well, okay, for wait. purposes revealed later in this teaching, please note that the pagan occult relates the hexagram to the planet Saturn. The symbol also presents itself in Freemasonry. The interlacing triangles, or deltas, symbolize the union of two principles or forces, the active and passive, male and female, pervading the universe. The two triangles, one white and the other... Okay, so basically, yeah, he's... Okay, here's the point. You know, to think that uh, the occult, uh, the occult, I'm putting that in quote marks for those who can't see me right now, the occult and paganism, okay, uh, uses this, to think that, that the occult has not uh, changed as much in 2,000 years as Judaism or Christianity has is ignorant. The occult also uses Hebrew letters. Yeah, exactly. The, I mean, the, the, I, what, one of the, the frustrations I had is that he's, he's pulling uh, sources from all different times. Areas. Yeah, times. And, and just melding them all and together as, one. as if As if there is no such thing as a, as a chronological timeline, and it's just all happening at once. And uh, because we, we find this, this uh, hexagram or this star, what we call the Star of David in these different places, that, um, you know, that therefore... Jews who use this symbol are worshiping Saturn. That's, that's, and that that's what Stephen in Acts 7 is saying. Oh, I think, I I think he makes some unbelievable jumps here. Well, let's keep going. Um, So this, uh, just 20 seconds, he, and he reemphasizes this twice. The origins of the hexagram are unclear. We cannot definitively state that the origins are Jewish or the origins are from the pagan occult. History demonstrates that both groups entertain the symbol in their worship practices. The occult links the hexagram to the worship of Saturn. Okay, so the occult. Who's the occult? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and when and when, and which which if it's a like a witch which witch is which <laughs> if some witch did this when is it proclaimed in a particular text when did this happen did this happen recently if that's true does that mean if some people take a cross and they start doing black magic or voodoo with it, that now Christianity should not use the cross anymore because, uh, you know, I, I mean, how far how far do you go with this kind of crazy, you know, anachronisms and, and just piling all these, quote, facts on top of a big... Uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. Listen to this, though. He says, uh, yeah, listen to this. Here is this is where he really starts to make the jump like and he he'll say things like oh and this you know this could be this and then a few you know a few minutes later all of a sudden he's solidified it as this is this okay one thing that we know is true it could be easily argued that the most dominant and true symbolic sign for Yahweh's people is the menorah yet we don't ever see the occult using the seven candle menorah in their worship why is the occult and other pagan religions so connected to the hexagram star if it is truly a sign of the Jewish people? You could say, okay, and this is what I have real big problems with, because like you said, you, the Hebrews is, uh, Hebrew is used in the occult and in New Age. You got, uh, 
Uh, you know what? One of the little ears uh, should should uh, not listen for a few seconds. You know, you know what is very big in uh, in some of the Wiccan religions right now is is uh, fornication uh, in worship, and it has been all the way back, right? So, are you going to say that that uh, are you going to say that uh, the act of a husband and wife is now part of the occult? How far back does it go? No. The uh, the uh, Satan has continued to use the ev- evil in this world continues to take the things that are holy and turn them into bad in, into evil things. I think that happens all the time. We see it, we see it today in our culture with the institution of marriage, right? Homosexuals yeah. becoming married together. I, I, you know, uh, the transgender. Uh, once again, even things as as uh, gender identity you know you have uh you have these things going on in our culture that that are being twisted they're good and right things if used correctly that are being twisted by by the evil one so uh, this is a a very horrible argument but beyond that then he then he tries to use the bible and this is really grasping at straws and not only that but it's it's evident that there's there really hasn't been a whole lot of study or at least good study done on these passages of scripture. There is a specific star that is connected to the Jewish people that is found in the Brit Hadashah, or the New Testament. In Acts chapter 6 through 7, Stephen went on an impressive and bold rant against the first century Jewish leadership, outlining many of their previous and current errors. Following this rant, they stoned him to death. Hang on, I gotta stop. Yvonne says, uh, seven branch Christmas lights in Sweden. This is absolutely true. When I was in Sweden over the Christmas, over a Christmas, they had, uh, I thought everyone had menorahs in their window. It's not menorahs. And I'm quite confident that they would actually bring it back to some kind of a Norse god. Hmm. Anyway. In Stephen's epic rant, immediately following his mention of the events of the golden calf, he refers to Amos chapter 5, verse 26 in which he refers to a specific star in a profoundly negative light. Okay, first of all, that's a a totally not true statement. He does not refer to a specific star. Acts chapter 7. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god, Raphan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. According to Stephen, there is a particular star that Israel adopted in its worship of false gods. No, see, that's not true. Stephen Stephen is quoting directly from Amos. If you go and look at Amos, Amos, uh, I think that it could, because the article is not there. Well, he's but he's talking about ancient Israel. Yeah. But then he says, we don't have any evidence of Jews using this star until late, but now he wants to say that the Star of David or this hexagram is what was taught what the, uh, Israel in the wilderness was using. Um, I, it, yeah, it's a big, it's a huge jump. It's a huge jump. And Okay, so in Amos 5.26, it says, you also carried along Sukkoth, your king, and Kiyun, your images. Kiyun, okay, Kiyun is... Like, uh, is it Kiwan in Arab Arabic is the name of Saturn, is the planet yeah, Kiyun, named Saturn. Yeah. So the idea is, this is the link. The link is uh, the Hebrew of Amos 
seems to point to what we would call the planet Saturn. In the Ki- word- but, yeah, Kiyun, but there's an article before Kiyun. Ve'et Kiyun. And there's no article be, before... No, that's not an article. Go, that's a direct, uh, direct object. I'm marker. sorry, direct, direct object marker. But there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing before Kohav. So, but uh, okay, fine. If, but the point is this: is the what uh, Timothy, not Timothy, what Stephen is quoting is the Septuagint, which uses this word Ramphon, mm-hmm. and and there's. Uh, Ron, Ron font. There's a couple different Ryan font or something. Couple different uh, describes yep, yep. describes copy it differently in different manuscripts because they don't know what it is. And and there's we, we can't look to other uses of the word to see what it means. So, um, so that's that's a problem right there. Um, well, we're we're trying to um, connect the Star of David. Because it's called associated with Saturn at some point in later magic history, um, and then we go back and say, "Oh, well, then we have a connection with Saturn in Amos, and and therefore Stephen must have been talking about the Star of David that they were worshiping, and that's right one of his last words before he was stoned." Um, I think there's just so many problems with that kind of. Uh, approach to to putting a teaching together. It's just gonna it teaches people to connect things on uh, connect dots without doing any homework. Oh, are you ready? Did you watch the end of it when he says that the that there's a hexagram inside of the Star of David and all of the satellite images of Saturn? Yeah, there's a hexagon. <laughs> hexagon on the top on of the, Saturn. On the top of Saturn. Yeah. And the, and this is I, I mean it is yeah it's. The, the, Here, here's here's a better argument. If we want to use this type of uh, hermeneutic, here's a better argument. Oh, no. We shouldn't be keeping Shabbat because the Aramaic word in the Talmud for Sabbath is Shabtai, and that may, it's from the same root as Shabbat, and it's the word for Saturn. Shabbatai is the, word, is the Jewish Aramaic term for Saturn. And not only that, it's called Saturday. Saturn's day. Oh. So now we by keeping the Sabbath, you are worshiping the god Saturn. Not only that, I have a historical text. Tacitus, a Roman historian who lived, he was born in around 50. So he was 20 years old when the temple was destroyed. He wrote all sorts of history. And he, t- he talked about the Jews. And you know what he says? So here's a, a yeah. first century source. He says... In the course of time, the seductions of idleness made them. He's talking about the Jews. Oh, wait, let me. I, we are told that the seventh day was set aside for rest by the Jews because of the mark. Uh, this marked the end of their toils. In course of time, the seductions of idleness made them devote every seventh year. So not only the seventh day, seventh year to indolence as well. Others say this is a mark of respect to Saturn. Ooh. Uh, and it goes on to say that because Saturn has the highest orbit of the planets and exerts the greatest influence of all the planets it, it, of the seven stars that rule mankind. So, so here you have a, a first century to early second century Roman historian equating Jewish worship on Shabbat and the seventh years to Saturn because it's the most influential planet 
He never he doesn't mention any signs of the stars. He's saying it's their day. And you can I actually looked at the thought about this, and then I looked online. There are people who are out there arguing that the Sabbath day is pagan for this reason, because you're worshiping Saturn. <laughs> this argument, as crazy as it is, is actually more sound than what this guy is saying about the, the Star of David. They're both ludicrous. They're both absolutely ludicrous. Why do you hate the Rob and Caleb show? Honestly, I think they're vain, stupid, and incredibly self-centered. And that is what we call a theological fail. Fail. They get two in a row okay, for you. Here, here's another point. <laughs> what, what, what Jewish person, rabbi or otherwise, who keeps the, you know, I have a rabbi to, for you. <laughs> yeah, this is what we need to. We need to get on the Sid Roth show. There ask, you, you know, go. No, but check this out. Who, who in the the Jewish people who are who, even if they don't believe in Yeshua and they will, they claim to follow the Torah. How many of them are going to are going to say, "Yeah, yeah, we got we're actually worshiping Saturn, and uh, this is the star of Saturn, and this is our worship." You know, they're that's just not. Look, that, I don't think that's their it. point. I think what their point is is, look, uh, we don't celebrate Christmas, we don't celebrate Easter because uh, they have pagan roots. Uh, the Star of David probably has pagan roots too, so you shouldn't use that either. But the problem is, is that the the level of of uh, honest scholarship that's going on in this teaching is nil. It's it's it is so bad, and honestly, it makes one nineteen ministries. But man, I I was watching other recent videos from them. It just it, oh, it's so frustrating and just so sad. It's the, it's, I go back to the Copper Scroll thing, and the oh. guy, I emailed him how many times. That was asking, John, same guy. Asking who, who, who translated your Hebrew? Oh, just be patient. <laughs> no, but I was just wondering who translated Hebrew, because it's wrong, and here's where it's wrong. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to research it more, but you're just going to have to be patient. Never got an answer. We went back and forth I don't know how many times. I just want, I said, I'm just asking. You, you published a video. You put the Hebrew with a translation under it. And your your guy who's reading it with the dark, mysterious voice is reading this English translation, telling people this is a translation of the Copper Scroll. Who did who provided this translation? No answer. Never. Not one answer. Um, and that and I I just realized that this this is a person that uh, they're in over their head. That's my view. Um, so I frankly don't. I'm neither here nor there. I. Yeah, we have more. I mean, there's more stuff to talk about. One person asked if we uh, would tread, uh, you know, lightly, but uh, uh, say what the the place of women in the in the Messianic congregation is. Uh, but however, I don't think we need to touch on that because my dad did a whole teaching in the Philippines, the play the role of women in the Messianic congregation. Um, I know the role is to is to worship Yeshua. Yeah, it's right alongside with everybody else. And to seek to walk in the truth of the scriptures. Yeah. 
So anyway, uh, we also, I was going to talk about uh, Romans 13, but you know what? I think we'll save that until next week. What do you think? We'll save that. We got yeah, it. that's good. So so did we come back, though? Can the devil use people? You know, if someone says, I'm, well, at, at what point? You know, I, I am, uh, like Gary just said, he had some Jehovah's Witness comes to his door during the Rob and Caleb show. Now, I think he should have invited them in and offered them fresh coffee and listen to, you know, join in the Robin Caleb show with us. But Gary didn't do that. <laughs> no, but, but here's the point. At what point do you say, look, I, I think it seems like you're, now we can't see people's hearts. I can't judge someone's heart, but it's like, you know, it seems like you're sincere. You're going around house to house. You, you're saying that you represent the Messiah you know, at what point is, is, is that enough? I don't think that's enough. Well, it's Sorry, not. That's not enough. It's, Yeshua says narrow is the way. Few that find it. When I see a, a Facebook post that gets, you know, hundreds of thousands of likes or something like that, and you get this kind of Sid Roth where you have this audience, people just cheering for this intro that's just horrific. I don't. Th that doesn't smell of the narrow path to me. I, just my opinion. That's it. Smells of popularism, sensationalism, um, trying to sell on emotion, um, charismatic as authoritative kind of thing. Uh, um, any any. If someone came in there with a scholarly view, it would be like sour grapes to them to like the Sid Roth thing. If we went in there and say, look, let's, we got to look at this and see what you're doing here with the scriptures. It's not true. That would not, it doesn't seem like that's a, a place that would be welcome for that. You'd be, what are you doing? This is the spirit of God. I have a rabbi that can tell you all the mysteries. Okay, let's... Uh, I thought he was talking about... I totally thought he's talking about, like, Yeshua. Like, he's saying, <laughs> imagine, like, people are thirsty, and there comes this teacher that has... And, and you leave everything to, to follow this guy. I, I honestly thought he was going to set up... Uh, like, he was going to talk about some new book about Yeshua. I had no idea. And then all of a sudden, when he started saying mysteries and mysteries, every mystery, I was like, oh, no, this has got to be that Khan's book. Um... Boy, well, you know what? It, I, I, I have to think that they have their reward. This is their reward. I, I, I don't know. Teach, uh, so uh, Andre asks, and this is a good question. Andre asks if there is a teaching, uh, if the teaching that my dad did on the role of women in the Messianic congregation, it will be up. Yes, the video will be up probably about a month, maybe two. Um, however, you can read a paper that he's already done on the role of women in the Messianic, in, in the uh, community. Uh, that can be found on Torah Resource in the articles uh, section. So, yeah. All right. Uh, well, it's been fun. You know, this time went past a lot quicker than I thought I was going to. Um, and uh, we actually had quite a bit more that we could talk about. But that's good because it means that maybe we'll have, uh, we'll have something to talk about next week, too. Hey, give us uh, – we need your help, by the way. Uh, send us what you want us to talk about. Maybe Rob's right. Maybe we shouldn't be uh, uh, critiquing all the time. Maybe there's some other things that we should uh, we should be uh, discussing and talking about. We're more than willing to to listen to your suggestions. Please send us your suggestions. Chag at torahresource.com. And, and pray, pray for yeah, us. And pray, pray for, for us. the body of Messiah. 
that the Lord would raise up good teachers who deal honestly with his word. No doubt. Yeah, we certainly need it. Uh, so join us next time. I hope everybody enjoyed the chat room. Let us know what you thought about that. You can uh, tell us on our Facebook page. Also, go check out the new Robin Caleb Show webpage on Tour Resource. Hover over online radio and go down, click the Robin Caleb Show button. Uh, you can find all sorts of stuff in there. We're adding to it as well. So, yeah, including our favorite moments. So, if you have a favorite moment, find it and let us know. We'll put it up there too. Until next time, we hope that this conversation glorified our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs>